Hi guys, so I just wanted to add a little disclaimer at the beginning of this episode for Inland Empire. I got a little confused when I was reading the development and misread it on the film. So this was the first time that Lynch had actually filmed a movie without a completed script, basically going by the filming process on a day-to-day basis with dialogue and stuff like that. I said the opposite in the episode, so I just wanted to put that out there and get you guys the correct information. All right, let's get into the episode. Some people claim that the atrocities we commit in our fiction are those inner desires which we cannot commit in our controlled civilization. So they are expressed instead through our art. I don't agree. I believe heaven and hell are one and the same. The soul belongs to heaven and the body to hell. Welcome back to the Blasphemous Cinema Podcast. I'm your host, Jake, and with me today is, of course, my trustworthy co-host, Addison. How are you doing today, Addison? I'm feeling just peachy, Jake. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's great that you're peachy. Um, <laughs> we are delving into um, an equally peachy Lynch film. Um, is it? No. Um, <laughs> I mean... I mean, I don't know. I don't think anyone would call it that. But um, Inland Empire. Um, I think this film came out in two thousand six. Um, it's a very, it's a heavy, um, three hour long um, exploration into an actress's role in a film and her co-star and certain different realities um it's all over the place but in the very lynchian way where it's like you're presented with ideas and you don't know how you feel about them but then you come back saying like damn that was kind of brilliant you think so yeah, I mean, it goes. I think it goes on a little too long for a while there, and it does have some moments that just feel. Yeah, but the end definitely uh-huh. saves the. Because it does kind of come back around. It all worth the journey, I guess is the best way to put it. This movie yeah. is like. The. I guess I feel like this is exactly what Blonde was going for, but Blonde sucked. Uh-huh. And... I think this is definitely the better outcome. I mean, of course, it's Lynch. Uh, he's pretty. He's pretty good at no matter whatever he does. Yeah, I think pretty much is like just Blonde in general just wanted to be kind of a Lynch movie in a way, but the execution sure. obviously of everything was terrible. Besides the technical aspects, um, exactly. It's this movie is very like I knew it was going to be crazy just the way people talked about it. Um, but I didn't expect it to be this out there and this Lynchian. And I think this, like, the perfect way to sum up this movie is kind of like a sum of his filmography up to the point where this movie came out. Um, yeah, I'll do that because then he kind of just like goes at his most ambitious. It seems. Um, 
I think it's like Mulholland Drive on crack. Yes, because um, <laughs> there's definitely like one. There's similarities, and two, there's parallels to like literally all of his properties and films and stuff that he had done up to that point. Um, I mean, you get you get Twin Peaks, you get Blue Velvet, you get Mulholland Drive, you get Lost Highway. You get so many callbacks to a lot, all of his stuff that he's done before in certain ways. It just feels like a culmination of his work up to that point into his like most ambitious artistic, um, integ- art- artistic um, invention yet. There's a room in this movie that I think is straight from Blue Velvet. Like the oh, whole yeah, set is. and everything is identical yeah. down to the yeah. carpet. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that. It seems like he's going that meta contextual route with this movie, mm-hmm. where he's making commentary on a, on I guess the very things that he's created, but at the same time, like the industry as a whole and how yeah. much it's it's like self depravity, but also it's so weird. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, you can look at this movie from any angle. It's all about interpretation. Yeah. Um... So general premise is that Laura Dern um, and Justin Therox um, are co-stars going into a movie um, and they find out that it's quote unquote a remake, but it isn't a remake. Um, They shut down production on the film a while ago where the co-stars ended up dying and um. And supposedly this whole script and everything is cursed. Um, and so they start experiencing some things. Then you get into the part, well, you just get into sequences of just Laura Dern um, acting in this um, production. And it starts to have similarities to her own life. It starts to meld into this thing where you don't, it's so many different like realities realities depictions of her life but depictions of the movie that they're filming um some parallels to some stories from decades ago and it's kind of just all like for like the middle part portion that's what this film all is fragmented like it's all fragmented as hell it goes yeah i mean a lot of people even lynch himself said it's like kind of like a web where certain things just hyperlink to each other throughout. Um, I mean, I, yeah, it's exactly what it is. Um, and it's very much in the way where you're going to get a lot of weird shit. Um, <laughs> you're going to get, you're going to get it in fragmented ways where it's like, you don't know where the film is heading, but once you get to the end, you kind of see what the film's saying. But then even then there's some parts where it's like, okay, where are we, where are we now at the end? in this whole grand scheme of things. Um, Overall, I'm feeling very, I'm feeling, I'm feeling very good about this movie. Um, I think walking away and talking about it a little bit is like, I think I really respect the direction it went on my interpretation that it's kind of just a culmination of his works um, put into a newer story not necessarily using those stories, but like, you know, parallels and you um, hinting at some of his other works and using it to just like 
using them somewhat in a new story. Um, and I think, I don't know if it's, it's definitely not my favorite Lynch property, but I do think it's damn good. Um, and I think it's a kind of a very stunning achievement for a guy like Lynch to do this, even though he had already accomplished so many different um, facets of um, art and film up to this point. What would be your favorite Lynch? I think it's, even though there's still some downsides in um, season two, I think Twin Peaks as a whole is still kind of my favorite. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Twin Peaks is a good choice. Especially of that time. Yeah. I mean, what's your just like favorite? Hmm. I don't know. I really liked I liked Inland Empire, but I think yeah. my favorite would probably still have to be either Eraserhead or The Elephant Man. I think uh-huh. both of those are kind of tied. Okay. Um, I know for for me, I haven't seen Elephant Man yet, but I've seen Eraserhead, and I'm very much in the kind of minority where I wasn't a huge fan of Eraserhead. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but like I can totally see why um, a lot of people love it, and I see, I can totally understand, and I get the direction from where your favorites would be: Elephant Man and Eraserhead. Um, so style, yeah, no, yeah, I totally get you. Um, what was your favorite aspect about this movie? The fucking. Uh, I I usually don't like jump scares. I'm one uh-huh. of those people who thinks it's a cop out. But for yeah. some reason, the jump scares in this movie are fucking insane. They are wild, yeah. I do not understand how they can be so terrifying, and it's not even really a horror movie. Like, I think the first one that really caught my attention was the random clip of Laura Dern just walking, walking to I the think. screen. Yeah, like when she's walking straight to the screen. And- the closer she gets her face is all fucked up and then there's the one where she's shooting the gun also near the end and that one's just as bad that one caught me off guard yeah but i don't know i like all the i like a lot of the fragment because at first at first i thought it was annoying but the more the movie went on i kind of started Uh enjoying the fragmented aspects and yeah I, i think my second favorite scene other than her walking to the screen is when she dies on like the sidewalk and then it turns uh-huh. out it's a part of the movie and then yeah. she just walks off the set i thought that was a good scene too no i love that scene um because you know obviously you know this podcast is very spoiler heavy um always at that <laughs> at that point you know she gets off of the set and you realize how stuck she's in like the reality of the movie itself and she kind of can't like snap out of it and it goes right into another at like you would think another scene of the movie but it's like all melded together and it's like kind of hard to tell what is her actual reality and the reality of the film um That's i want to say parts. yeah i want to say overall laura's Dern's performance is unbelievable, man. I mean, she is so fucking good in this movie. Um, she helped produce th- it too. 
Yeah. She's her work with Lynch is like kind of like easily some of my favorite like actor actress combo with a director. She is you can tell that they just make magic together and her performance in here I think could arguably be her best and her magnum opus performance um, that truly showcases what you know her highest peak of um, acting. I could agree with that. I'm usually not impressed with Lauren Dern. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I, she's all right. I think she's good in marriage. See, like, I I understand that point. I just like for me, um, I feel like I like her more in a lot of the more experimental and more art films than like you know her just regular stuff. Yeah, exactly. I like it when she has stuff like this or that marriage story and all that. Not her like mm-hmm. Jurassic Park days. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think, like I said, the Laura Dern performance for me is just you know like completely floored me, scene by scene in this movie. Um, and then you have um Justin Therox in the movie too, and he was really good. Um. There was there's some there's a scene where in the film that they're filming where there's a confrontation between him, Laura Dern, and Justin Therrick's Justin Therrick's um character's wife in the movie, where he yeah. is like so good. In that is scene. a good scene. Yeah, when he he's is just so standing good. there and he's and like, he's "No, I don't know what Sue. you're talking about." Sue, <laughs> Sue's, <laughs> um you know, he's always been an actor where it's like, he's very, I always think that he's very underrated because like the stuff that he turns out is insanely good between this, this and Moham drive. He also does a lot of great stuff with Lynch as well. He takes a lot of smaller, like character roles and like supporting actor roles. I think that's why he doesn't get a lot of recognition. Mm-hmm. Or anything. Yeah. Like he really goes out of his way to, be obscure and just kind of make good movies essentially so i appreciate him for that respect for sure um like the one thing i had heard about this film leading up to me seeing it just how frightening the atmosphere of atmosphere of this film was and i do gotta say this is literally straight from the get-go all the way through the atmosphere of this movie is like very unsettling and frightening. Like it's not a horror movie by any means, but it has the feeling of a horror movie and it has like a lot of the feelings of like other films we've seen where it's just like very unsettling. Yeah. I mean, stuff, stuff might not even be happening in the damn scene and it's like unsettling just because the music just feel. Yeah. You just feel off. All the time. Um, And it's also amazing how just like Lynch does all the sound for this movie too. Um, Oh, did he really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, He did all the sound. I mean, obviously like there's some songs and stuff that's obviously not his, but um, there's like one of my favorite parts with the music was um, what felt like the Twin Peaks, like Firewalk with Me, Roadhouse segment callback, 
Yeah. You know what I'm talking you know what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, I picked about. up on that too, yeah. I thought that was so cool and I that scene was awesome. Um then also there's like points where it's like you know you might say that like these certain pieces of score and stuff like that aren't the most like original, but they're also effective and a lot more effective than what other movies might use those type of scores for. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's it, none of the score, none of the score really stands out as being something that can stand on its own or be yeah. something amazing. But it for this, it works very well. No, I think the needle drop, really good needle drops. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the mics easily. And the, the Center Man one is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just a lot of good ones that just happen, and I'm just like, how did he just like work in a needle drop that sounds as good as Martin <laughs> Scorsese needle drop? And this is like some yeah. art house weird abstract film. Like, it just happened to me. Yeah, and kind of like those needle drops, I'd I'd say like their effectiveness is also kind of akin to the effect effectiveness of um, Lynch's editing in this movie too. Um, his editing style and his transitions are very very experimental, but they all work extremely well. And there's times where I was like, "Damn, that's an awesome edit!" Oh, damn, that was fucking awesome. Yeah, like the transitions, like the the dissolves and then like the overlays where he would put like three different things overlaid on top of each other happening at once. I think the first one I really noticed that like blew my mind was that one where she was in her room. Mm -hmm. I guess you would call it her room and all the other versions of the girls that she had like seen throughout the movie were all in there. And then the strobe lights started going off and then you saw like weird fast blurry footage of like traffic lights Uh being molded with like her face and like her face was molding into like a street or something like it was like so many four or five different images overlaid on top of each other that were all fading in and fading out and it was just like what the fuck is this and why is it so good yeah it's a complete onslaught of visual imagery that it's just like by themselves you wouldn't think that they would go well together but when lynch does it it's like a completely different like visual experience that you're so happy that you just witnessed yeah you said it's like onslaught of the senses like that black and white one they did in the middle of the movie was amazing too or it might have been mm. like the in the latter third half but it's where like her face is like overlaid with the record player and oh, like yeah. the needle of the record player is going across her face or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's stuff like that. I was like, that looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just like even talking about this, it's just like, it makes me appreciate it even more from both like a in-depth um, story and like technical wise too. It's just like Lynch was on his game for this movie and I think pretty much the movie like took like almost like three years to make or something like that. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, um, and it just makes me appreciate that. it even more. Um, and I think so. Uh, the whole thing was shot digitally too, which is yeah. wild. So that's like the big thing about that. Yeah. That's the big thing about this movie is that 
it's shot on digital in a camcorder direction for like shooting i mean it's like a lot of the scenes you would think is very much like just shot on i mean it is shot on a camcorder yeah it's like all handheld it looks like it is pretty much most of it and you think it's just like it feels like so authentic for that style of camera direction and it's even weirder that it's like the film was just like shot on standard definition (laughs) it's like it makes yeah and it works it like it literally feels right Throughout the entire yeah. movie, I agree because I mean, I mean, EP, but it's crazy how he used that to his advantage. I don't think I've ever seen someone use it so well before. Because there's like certain times where he will be zooming in on lights or I guess like colors and such, and yeah. then they start to pixelate, and then he uses the pixelation as like a transition into a scene where he like zooms out and then zooms back in from yeah. the pixelation. So it's crazy that he used something that would usually be seen as like lower quality, low mm-hmm. budget and all that, but he actually used it artistically and made it work somehow. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. And one of the crazy things about this movie too, is that this is like the first one, um, first one of Lynch's, um, features were like so up to this point all of his like features were like the script was going as he was filming mm-hmm. and and this one was like kind of the one where he like actually had a full script done in time by filming so he could actually go off the whole thing I just I thought know. that was really interesting you know of just Lynch in general and his like artistic process for filming is like you know he just kind of goes as, you know, he goes. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense for him. Mm-hmm. I, I never knew that for his original films, he just kind of went off one after the other. But yeah. I know he goes off of his dreams a lot and he just writes stuff in randomly. Yeah. That, like, he just gets. So that makes sense. But that's cool that this was, like, his first one that he kind of had the whole thing kind of laid out beforehand, which I think that's why it's probably so good and probably why it feels kind of different from the rest of his Mm. projects because i mean by the time you get to the end you don't still feel lost or at least i didn't i I feel like it all came together pretty fluid by the end of the movie yeah um so he described like the feelings of like the shooting process where he's like he didn't even know it was like kind of he just didn't know how it was like kind of gonna turn out in a way. Um, oh, he was nervous about it. Yeah, I guess so. And it's just like, even though it was kind of finished, there was always being kind of edited in a way where like there was like several pages of freshly written dialogue a lot. Um, and yeah, it was like I didn't know how it would unfold. <laughs> that sounds very Lynchian. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going back into like the kind of the story a bit, um, so with the, like kind of the film within a film, the, it pretty much is like details, um, Justin Therox, who's like, obviously a very well off man, um, starts to have a affair with Lord Dern who works for him and 
um, you find out that, you know, Laura Dern has a kind of a low end um, life with her husband and he's kind of has like a really shady backstory um, and, you know, their whole affair like comes to a big um, climax when um, Justin Therox's wife stabs her in the gut with a screwdriver. Um, yeah, that's a nice little play on the scene. <laughs> yeah. And basically that's kind of, I don't know where like you would actually like say where the, that film goes after that. Um, well, I think it ends when she dies. Pretty much, street. yeah, yeah. I think that's supposed to be the end of the movie within a movie. But mm-hmm. knowing Lynch, I mean, there's really no telling because you have also that whole other side plot with like the the chicks who are watching the screen, mm-hmm. yeah, the voyeurs essentially, where they're watching Laura Dern as she's watching herself and all this. Uh-huh. It's like it's more you can't even say it's like a movie within a movie. It's kind of like a television show within a movie that's within a movie or something like that. (laughs) Cause there's, there's the rabbit show too. And then there's the news channel also. Like, I mean, it's just all over the place. So I don't really know Mm -hmm. exactly where you would draw plot. Because you don't even really know what's actual plot points and what's a part of the fictional movie. Cause they're so melted. Yeah. Um, it was also, yeah, because, like, after the point where she, um, quote-unquote dies, is, like, like I said, it's just, like, there's points where I feel like it seems like there's, there's parts where it's also part of the movie, but then it's just also parts of her own life and just, like, parts of other stuff, and you can't really, even though it seems like that's where the movie ends, you can't say for exactly for sure, like you said, um, if that's where it's ended. And because yeah. you can kind of, and you can also interpret it as, you know, that film in itself is as experimental as the film that Lynch is actually making a real person in real life. <laughs> yeah, you could definitely say that. Because, I mean, it's that whole thing is nonlinear, just like. is also nonlinear. So, I mean, it goes yeah. back and forth also. Even before the movie technically ends within the movie, you still see you know it from the movie because it's like the monologue she was giving or it's the dialogue. Yeah. But then you also see parts that are outside of the film and that she basically symbolizes by the end when she kisses her and it's like herself mm-hmm. watching herself like she was in the movie. Yeah, just like where do you where do you really draw the line at what's linear and what's non-linear in this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I think one of my favorite kind of I don't know if you associated um, this parallel, but kind of like towards the end of the movie, within the movie, whatever. Well, you could say if it was in the movie or not. Um, kind of like the whole instance of where you have that gleaming white light and you have the moment where she kisses that one girl and basically like the whole song going over it felt very much kind of like the same climax and ending of Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. That's yeah. 
that's what I that's where it was like one of the big things I'm like dude this feel, this is like literally feels exactly the way like what that thematically what that fire walk with me scene ending was like going for yeah I, w- I would say that Inland Empire is more optimistic ending though than fire oh walk yeah exactly it. yeah but I yeah, can... yeah talking about because I but I just think the lights stand for different Yes, yeah. I don't know. Because the light, I don't know. I saw the light in this movie as like the limelight, essentially. But mm, I mean, no. you could probably yeah. make a good argument that it might mean the limelight and fire walk with me, too. So I mean, <laughs> there's really no telling, honestly. Yeah, I just think overall, like, there's definitely, like, you know, different um, meanings be- between both of them. But I just felt like, you know, it's like, I feel like it literally drawed direct parallel between the two. Um, and also that you have like the actress from Mulholland Drive in the movie as well at several points, especially towards the end. Um, Naomi Watts does one of the voices of like the rabbits. Um, I love that. Yeah, the rabbit show is so funny, and it's such like a. I just love how he's making fun of sitcoms the whole time. Yeah, it's like. Because, like, when you're watching this little rabbit show, it's, like, they're just saying random stuff, and it's, like, you get the, like, the laugh track, and I'm, like, all right, what's so funny here? It's, like, <laughs> there's, like, nothing funny about it. Yeah, but there's that's nothing funny about it... real sitcoms either. Yeah, and that's what, that's what makes, like, his whole interpretation on the rabbit scene funny, you know? And Yeah, that's perfect. Then also, yeah, and then also, like, in the end credits, end credits scene, you also get just, like, so much, like, different just culmination of things um i thought it was very interesting like you know how i have you have that i can't remember the monkeys like species specific name but you have that monkey in there and you know there was like there's also a certain set on within the movie within the movie where it looks exactly like the set on just a little bit like um smaller with the set from um, what did Jack do? Yes, yes. I did agree. you catch that? Mm-hmm. And I think the it I like, mean the monkey looks like pretty same, similar like, too. Yeah, it is the same monkey. Like it's not the same monkey, but it's like if it might be, but it's like it's the same species of monkey too. And then like you also get that one guy just like sawing the tree. <laughs> it was like yeah, seems very much like Twin Peaks ish. Um, especially did like you notice first... that room too that yeah. she opens up the door to where she when she opens up that door and it leads to that basically set that's supposed to be her house yeah. like the outside how it was like black and white whited out it yeah. kind of reminded me of the episode 8 from Twin Peaks The Return yeah so that's what I thought too yeah yeah and the floor was like a melted version of the the room from Twin Peaks mm-hmm. where it has the yeah. the chevron floor yeah it's like he's just I don't know. He was all over the place with it, but it all molded and fit together. Except, for, I mean, even Terry Crews is in this movie. Yeah, that's like one of the very fu- funny things. I was like, I have to break this up. But it's like, dude, Terry Crews is in a David Lynch movie. Like, what the? <laughs> it makes no sense. He's just sitting there. And I'm just like, why? how did this happen? Like, how did Terry Crews just show up? Did he audition for this? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm wondering is like, you know, did he actually like audition for this movie or is like, Lynch is like, yeah, let's get Terry Crews in this movie. It's just like, even for it's like this just like one really small part. Um, it's just hilarious. I man. would think it would be hilarious if like David Lynch was been like, yeah, let's put 
Terry Crews <laughs> movie. I think that would be awesome. But could you imagine being behind the scenes, like on the set with him that day, and he's like walking all over the place, like smoking cigarette, and he's like, "Where is where's Terry? Terry where's Terry right now?" And everyone's just looking Where's around Terry? like, are they, is he being serious or is he joking? Does he really need Terry? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, that whole scene in itself is um, crazy too. Like you said, it's like one of your favorites. Um, oh, yeah. Because like the, they both like the, both of those women like kind of like mention like their friends in a different town. And how one of them has a monkey, and then that same person who thinks so that she's talking about is at the end with the monkey. Yep. And then the whole lighter scene too, right before she dies, when she's holding the lighter up to her oh, face. Oh, when the when the light goes out and she dies. Oh, yeah, that is I was, literally so fucking good. Yeah, that it was, was so cinema. Cinema. <laughs> the cinema it's highest for it right there. Um, <laughs> the cinema is peaking. Yeah, and that's what I was like. I was thinking too. Is like, damn, like this film within a film is just as experimental <laughs> as the movie that David Lynch is making. It made me want to watch the film that was within a film. Yeah, and I like kind of like at least by the end when you kind of get a lot of the closure with that the film, um, you kind of you're kind of you are able to kind of piece together the film the film story in a way where it's like you almost seen it in a way in a way yeah because it's this that dude that she's basically telling her story to also yeah but i mean i love that shot too which this again is in that same scene that i love but when she throws up the blood on the hollywood star yeah that's su- such a good shot and i'm just like that is just genius like it's like that one little you could just take a still image of that mm-hmm. of her throwing up the blood on the star and that's like that could be the symbol of Hollywood right there. Exactly. I mean, it's also, you know, it's knowing Lynch, it's no, um, obviously there is like certain Hollywood commentary, but it's also no um, coincidence. You know, this is called Inland Empire. And, you know, that specific scene, like she throws a blood on a Hollywood star. Um, it's genius. Yeah. Um then the whole part with it where it's like, you know, everyone cuts and leaves the scene and just staying there. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, that was so good. That yeah, so that good. whole monologue too where she was like, uh, I don't look forward to tomorrow. Like, today is always slipping away and all mm-hmm. this. I was like, damn, that's a good monologue too. And that was with the movie within the movie when she was yeah. doing that. Yeah. Um. Also, Jeremy Irons is in this movie. I thought that was really cool. I, I love the idea of having Jeremy Irons in a David Lynch movie, and he plays a director of the film within the film. Um, he's always good. Yeah, he's always great, and I love his director character in this movie. Um, you know, just just the way he talks to his actors and stuff like that. It all feel, and then you know where he falls or during, and he's like, she she's obviously kind of in that state, but he's like, you know, you are wonderful, and hugs her. It's like. Yeah, that was awesome. That's so wholesome, and I love that. <laughs> yeah, and then she just turns around and leaves. <laughs> yeah, so She's like I'm out of here. Yeah, so I think overall, it's like this movie is very. It, people put it on. People view it as a disturbing film, which obviously it is, but not for a lot of the same reasons 
that a lot of the other movies that we watch on and talk about for this podcast. This movie, there's definitely some like scenes where like there's some, you know, blood and um gore and stuff. Not a lot of gore, but there's a scene where like you see the screwdriver and embedded in this woman's stomach it's like mm-hmm. one of the gnarliest things i've seen um <laughs> but like you know it's very it's not as outlandish for the disturbing factors that we usually watch for yeah i feel like like you said it's a different kind of disturbing like it's not just them making a movie for a shock value and it doesn't just have gore and it doesn't just have controversial stuff like it's more like just like disturbing in the way that it's actually filmed and edited together yeah and you know with all the score and everything it's it's completely it's completely meant to unsettle you throughout the entire movie and yeah i just i love lynch almost going into where i feel like a lot of his films and shows do this where it's like it almost borderlines extreme cinema. Like there's points where you, you'll have very disturbing and grotesque stuff, but it's not all the all of it, you know? It's like Yeah. He knows most of the time it's is. on the edge. Yeah, most of the time it's on the edge. Like I mean Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me, you can totally um put that in line with blasphemous cinema, but it's not like it's moments. It's not the entire, you know, basis of the film from scene to scene. Yeah, there's like just certain aspects to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think kind of like coming out of the movie. I think those were kind of. I just, I'm gonna be thinking about this movie for a long time. Like very much like how I, how I kind of one think about Twin Peaks, think about um. Mulholland Drive and his other properties. Um, Lynch is good at that. Yeah. I'm always... I, And the one thing I've noticed, too, is like everyone that re-watches this movie always gives it a higher rating. Everyone is always very kind of head over heels with this movie on re-watches. So I, I can't wait. That. Yeah, I can't wait to re-watch it down the line and especially in like the updated uh um higher um resolution because that was one thing um david lynch was nervous about because obviously since this was shot in standard definition then he was nervous about what film would look like um but he says he even said he's like he says arguably you get lost in it more with the higher definition yeah. restoration. I could see that. So I can't wait to you know check that out. And I need to watch that too. The high res one. Yeah, because I can guarantee it's gonna be it's gonna feel different, but in a way where it enhances it, but still holds a lot of you know what he was going for. Yeah, a lot of the texture and stuff to it. Yeah. Um. I think overall, it's you know, it's definitely one of the most interesting films we've talked about on this podcast, um, and it's definitely like I said, it's not the same as a lot of other films we talked on this podcast. And Lynch kind of has that way of making you know 
disturbing cinema in ways that other people don't and just making movies that other people don't. Um, and I feel overall, you know, I'm very happy with this movie. I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed the, at least our interpretations behind it, because, you know, kind of that's the thing with Lynch is like, you could, you could argue something, but he could totally be, on a different page about it mm-hmm. anyone can argue anything with a lynch movie basically yeah. like anyone can come up and be like well this is why this happened and it's like well what about this yeah and you know he can't he's always refused to kind of explain a lot of his own properties and stuff like that have you seen those interviews like the yeah. collaborative interviews where mash all the clips together and yeah. it's like every time someone asks him like so what does this mean he's just yeah, like no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> nope <laughs> and i think that's actually you know i think that's for the better and i think like that's one of the most special things that we get with having david lynch in cinema you know and I he's can't... definitely a wild card yeah i mean it's like almost like a thing where it's like i can't wait for his next property that he makes i can't wait to rewatch any of the other things um he's definitely one of the most special filmmakers like cinema has ever seen um and he's great and inland empire i think is great um do you have any parting thoughts no, I I love I, I liked it too. I liked it a lot actually. I thought it was good. I just think it was a little too long, but mm-hmm. that's just because I'm a I'm a minimalist when it comes to stuff like uh-huh. I guess anything really. So I think that there was some too much excess in there. But overall, I mean, definitely a good movie. Like definitely one that gets you thinking, and one that was I will say that yeah, extremely well. Even though it's like one of the things is like. You can say it's done extremely well, even under the almost like the microscope of standard definition. Yeah, no, I mean, sure, it makes um, it work. Yes. Um. So that's Inland Empire. Um, I had mentioned to Addison I thought it would be cool, kind of at the end of the month, closer to Halloween and stuff. We could just like kind of do a recap um, month episode of all of like you know the movies we've seen. Because I'll be watching, I'm watching a lot of horror movies. I know you're watching horror movies here and there. And I think it would be cool to kind of just go back, recap our month of movie watching and a lot of horror stuff and, you know, just discuss those films and discuss the month as a whole. Because, you know, October rocks. I always take my time out of the month to watch like at least a horror movie a day. And it's a great time. I love this month. Best month of the year. It's so good. Literally the best month of the year, October. Halloween is my favorite holiday, so yeah. And um, I'm assuming you'll be seeing the new Halloween film as well. So I mean, we'll easily be talking about that on the podcast. So at least we'll have like a Halloween property to talk about, um, because you know there's not at least in terms of like this. I like you know I ref- I don't want to talk about. Rob Zombie's Halloween too. Maybe we will one day, but I don't want to talk about <laughs> it. It's 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 infuriating. But we've already talked about Rob Zombie's Halloween rebake. Um, Zombie two is goaded. It's not. It's not poor it execution. Is. Poor execution across Halloween the board. Kills is poor execution. But at least there's some parts where it's fun. No, no sir. Yeah, no sir. 
Um, so yeah, we'll come back. <laughs> we'll come back at the end. Of the you want to throw hands can. right here on the podcast? Let's go right I, now. Um, Rob, Rob Zombie. I think we'll have to wait until February or sometime when I come back down to Atlanta. But um, I'm down for that. If you're down for that, he's not my big braces um, right now because the monsters. <laughs> um, th- I didn't see it. Did I don't. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it's like pretty much like a bad, a bad porn parody without porn. It's like a Disney Channel movie, dude. Like dead ass, a Disney Channel movie that you would see during like Halloween. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I know eventually I'm gonna watch it. I just don't know when I am. Um. So, like I said, we'll see you guys later this month with our October horror recap. Um. Thank you guys always for listening. We'll catch you next time.